Today on the Bourbon Bites Podcast, I'm reviewing Ardbeg Fermutation Invasion of the Washbacks. But the weirdness doesn't stop there because we're talking whiskey NFTs, unexpected video game delays, and an unprecedented distillery expansion. And welcome to the Bourbon Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Clifton. And like I said in the intro, there's a lot of weirdness happening in this episode. So buckle up, um, because it's going to be a weird ride. (laughs) We're kicking it off with a review of a whiskey I've been dying to get my hands on. And it was all made possible, again, to our friend Swan. I've been mentioning him a lot lately. He's provided so many samples and bottles for the show. Huge, huge supporter of it and patron of the show. So thank you again, Swan, uh, for this bottle. This, my friends, is Ardbeg Fermutation Committee Release. So I actually talked about this on a previous episode of the podcast when the news of it came out. Didn't think I'd get my hands on a bottle, but lo and behold, this sat on the shelves somewhere in Michigan, I think, <laughs> where Swan saw it. And he's like, hey, do you want this? I'm like, um, absolutely. Especially because they had honestly mislabeled the price. It, it was about $100 cheaper than it should have been, or at least 50 or $60 cheaper. Um, so it was an amazing deal. So um, I'm, I had to snatch it up. But quick recap of this bottle. It is a 13-year Ardbeg. According to the bottle, it says, Back in 2007, the Ardbeg distillery was about to face one of its greatest challenges. A broken boiler threatened the very existence of six washbacks full of precious liquid. Nothing could stop them from fermenting past the point of no return. The distillery folk threw off the washback lids, hoping for a miracle, and a miracle they received. An invasion was taking place. Millions of tiny beings were descending from the skies and landing in the washbacks. The longest fur mutation in Ardbeg's history had begun, transforming the liquid into the sharpest, zingiest, and wildest Ardbeg ever. Unbelievable, but true. So maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but yeah, they, they had a problem with the, the fermenting tanks. So they actually let it air ferment. So they opened it up and, you know, it was exposed to the air um, for three weeks long. The longest fermentation period in Ardbeg's history, normally, um, just for reference, is about a 72 hour process. Um, but this time it was a full three weeks um, exposed to the elements. Now, this whiskey comes in at 98.8 proof, 49.4% ABV. And it's non-chill filtered, like I said, 13 years old, which is relatively old for Ardbeg. MSRP on this bottle is like $200. Um, Again, our friend Swan was able to get it for like $100. Um, Definitely don't tell me the odds of that, but I'm very, very glad to to have a chance to try it. So let's go and get that poured and uh, see what's so weird about fermentation. Now, color-wise, this is pretty light. I mean, typical of Ardbeg, even at, at a higher age. Um, the, the cast they used on this, I think there's some info here about it. It says matured in both first fill and refill bourbon casks. Um, so it's surprisingly light in color. Got a little bit of like a honey kind of golden hue to it. Let's go ahead and give it a nose. Okay. Huh. That's So it's not as big and bold and feisty as Ardbeg usually presents itself. You can definitely tell it's peated, for sure. Um, but there's like a bit of like a orange peel kind of note on it, um, which is something I don't typically get for peated scotch. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of like um, sweet elements, sweet fruity elements. Um, almost smells like a cocktail. The smokiness isn't necessarily presenting itself in such a like meaty kind of way that Ardbeg usually does for me. I, I just I'm getting like the whiff of that, you know, the iodine. Maybe a little bit more of like a. It kind of reminds me of like a Lagavulin, like with the sweetness and the like the ocean air. Um, and I mean, like we said, we, this is exposed to the Isla air for <laughs> three weeks, um, so it's really taking in a lot of those you know elements. 
Yeah, a little bit like, you know, like smoky, ashy a bit, but man, I'm so surprised by that fruitiness. I can't wait to try this. So let's go in. Let's go and do it. Cheers, guys. Wow. Also very, I guess soft is the word to put it, but so much lighter and um, milder than any Ardbeg I've had before. And honestly, it leads with like a sort of earthiness, like a, there's still that like the saltiness for sure, brininess, um, but there's almost like a um, kind of like mossy, earthy quality there. Not necessarily like dirt or mulch or anything like that. Um, usually I associate those with bad notes on whiskey, in my personal opinion. Um, this isn't any of that, though. It's more of like the forest floor, like a bit of that like mossiness. That's kind of what I'm getting on first, first sip. The peat is so toned down. I don't think I was expecting that. Um, I do know, you know, as, as peated scotch typically gets older, the, the peat intensity kind of mellows out a bit. But this is another level. I mean, it's definitely there. You're, there's no denying this is a peated um, Isla whiskey. But the way it's so, like, chill and mellow and blending with this earthiness. I mean, there's a little bit. I still get a little of the fruitiness, not ne nearly as much as on the nose. But there's a lot of vanilla there. There's a lot of interesting flavors that are, are kind of hitting my palate at different points. It's kind of like a journey of a whiskey. It's not just like, you know, a certain thing up front and a certain thing on the finish. I mean, the more I think about this, the more um, intricacies I can pull out of it. And when you're breathing in and taking a bit of an, another smell of it as you're, you know, taking a sip, the, the what I was interpreting as orange is almost going a little bit like lime as well. It's definitely cocktail forward. I mean, lime isn't something I traditionally would use with a bourbon cocktail, um, but it has kind of like a hint of that like zest, whether it's, you know, orange or lime. There's some kind of citrus zest on the nose that's just lingering over this whiskey. And the more I enjoy it, the more I'm finding, you know, the familiar Ardbeg kind of level of peatiness. I usually say Ardbeg to me is like a meaty, <laughs> a meaty peat. Um, there's, there's a bit of that, but it's still very salty. It's like salt forward. Um, but I mean, I think the, the real hitter on this is the nose. The nose on this is one of the best noses I've ever gotten on a peated whiskey. Mouthfeel-wise, it's a little thin, and finish, you know, it's a little short, but wow, what an interesting, interesting expression of Ardbeg. I, I've had nothing like it before. So in my book, this is another winner. I think Ardbeg, these committee releases are always so different and uh, <laughs> unexpected, especially this one. This would hold a great spot in anyone's Ardbeg collection. Um, I definitely think I prefer, you know, Scorch from last year even better. That was one of my favorite Ardbegs. Um, I've had a few other ones that I've tried with my friend Aaron. Um, check out my YouTube channel. I did a whole Ardbeg LE stream. So much fun. Um, I probably tried some, you know, nicer ones there. We tried Supernova, um, as well as a few older releases. But this, though, not quite um, on level of those or Scorch, but really interesting and unique and uh, definitely a cool bottle. I mean, I love the alien imagery on it. <laughs> I think it's well worth your money for $200. I gotta say, yeah, I think, I mean, to me, that's a little bit higher than I'd usually spend on any whiskey. So I, if I've already tried it, I would, probably won't pick up a second bottle for that price. Um, but if, if you're very curious about it and you are a bit of an Ardbeg enthusiast, then this is definitely one to, to keep your eye on and definitely try. So while we're on the topic of Ardbeg, let's get into our first news story, um, which is the first single malt whiskey NFT. If you're not familiar with NFTs, I mean, join the club because I'm still kind of trying to figure them out. But um, it stands for non-fungible token. It's basically like a digital um, item. Usually it's like artwork or um, some kind of like 
singular individual expression of art that's you know only owned by one person it's authenticated as you know you own this and people buy and sell and trade them that's the uh, layman's explanation uh, just based on what i know about it but this art bag expression is called art bag fawn void i know i'm mispronouncing that um it's f-o-n and then f-h-o-i-d and the o has like a accent above it. I don't know what it's called. Again, I'm sorry. I'm from South Carolina. We don't have those accents. <laughs> but it's actually the Scottish Gaelic term for under the turf. So this whiskey is super interesting. It was actually buried in a peat bog for nearly three years. So this was two different casks that were aged in second fill bourbon casks. Um, and yeah, they were buried in a peat bog for two years and 10 months near the distillery. It's bottled at 45.5% ABV, um, and it will be priced at one Ethereum, which at the time of this article that I'm reading talking about it is roughly $3,100. Um, so that obviously fluctuates with um, cryptocurrency. Again, something I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with. I've had some experience with trading it, but it's not really something I consider myself, you know, <laughs> proficient in. Now, they say that the time spent underground is said to give the whiskey a earthy, mossy, and herbal flavor, um, which is actually really interesting. I'm, I'm reading this after I just did this review of Fermutation, and that's kind of how I described that one, so I'm wondering how similar these two actually are. Of course, that one's only been aged for two years and ten months, at least in the bog. I mean, it may have been aged more before that, but uh, the Fermutation was 13 years. There's definitely some age going for, the, going for this one, and definitely a lot cheaper. Honestly, if this were released any earlier in the month, I would probably assume it's an April Fool's joke just because the idea of an NFT whiskey uh, makes very little sense. But it says it's limited to 456 bottles, um, which were available to purchase on blockbar.com. And that was actually available um, starting April 19th, so <laughs> missed that one. Um, I don't know if they have any more left. Let's, let's log in just to see. It actually looks like they may still be available. Um, so yeah, the price is one Ethereum, which as of today is only 2,900. So a bit of a discount if you wait a little. <laughs> um, but yeah, it says it's live. You can you can join the lobby to purchase it. I don't know how many of them are left at this time, but there is a there is an address for the for the proof of ownership. Um, so I guess it, it's not necessarily that it is an NFT. To me, it seems like it's tied to an NFT. Um, so n along with the bottle, you're getting a an, an NFT. Again, I know this doesn't make much sense. I'm, I'm trying to explain it, <laughs> but it's such an interesting and never been done before, as far as I'm aware. I think Maker's Mark did something NFT related, but it wasn't tied to an actual bottle. Um, so this is definitely real. It's not. It's not just in the metaverse. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not willing to, I don't have any Ethereum to, to spare for that one, but wow, what an interesting release. I can't wait to hear from those who actually have bought it, um, what they think of it, because there's a whole video, by the way, on Blockbar, um, talking about this release. Um, so definitely check it out when you can. It's about three minutes long, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> is this the future of whiskey? Is every bottle going to be tied to an NFT? I could see that now there's a whole secondary market for trading these whiskey NFTs. Oh man. As if the whiskey market isn't bad enough already, <laughs> but Hey, you know, it's the future. Gotta, I gotta catch up. And in other whiskey news, Heaven Hill announced this morning, the day that I'm recording this actually, um, that they are building a brand new distillery in Kentucky. So I actually shared this on my Facebook page as soon as I got the news. So if you want to hear about breaking news as it happens, make sure to like Bourbon Bites on Facebook. Um, I, I try to share any press releases or anything like that as soon as I get them there. Um, and I love you know getting people's reactions to it as well as you know giving my reactions to it. But um, anyways, so Heaven Hill announced earlier today or earlier this 
this week, if you're listening to this podcast this week, uh, that they are planning to open a new $135 million distillery. Um, They're planning to open it by 2024, and it says it will be a state-of-the-art distillery that will augment Heaven Hill's distilling capacity to meet increased global whiskey demand, and it marks the company's return to distilling in Bardstown since the 1996 fire, which destroyed seven rickhouses and almost 100,000 barrels of whiskey. Definitely one of the biggest tragedies um, in whiskey. So after the fire, they moved all of their distilling to the Bernheim Distillery in Louisville, um, but they've kept their bottling, aging, and you know other functions in Bardstown, but they are bringing the distilling back to Bardstown. So it says construction is slated to begin this spring um, with hopes for it to be fully operational by the end of 2024. They're expecting to be able to put out 150,000 barrels a year with the capacity to ramp up to 450,000 barrels over time. So definitely is going to be a huge, huge jump in um, production and output from Heaven Hill, which as a Heaven Hill fan, that makes me very, very excited. Um, Now they say they will continue to operate their Bernheim distillery in Louisville in the meantime, as well as once that one's up and running. Um, But it's interesting that they are moving back to uh, Bardstown for this massive new facility. So keep an eye on that. I'm sure there would be distillery tours once that opens. There are some renderings, which I've shared on Facebook, of this new distillery. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, It's it's just definitely an iconic looking uh, Kentucky bourbon or American whiskey distillery. So check it out on Facebook um, if you haven't already. And make sure to leave me a like on Facebook. I'm I'm so close to a thousand likes on the page. So if we could over that number from this podcast, that would be really cool. All right, that does it for most of the whiskey news. I'm sure there's other bottles that I will cover in coming weeks. Um, But I want to talk a little bit of some uh, unfortunate video game news. Um, You know, honestly, it's all bad news, but I feel like it's things you need to know. So first of all, sort of video game, um, the Super Mario Bros. movie um, that was very, very anticipated. Um, We saw a little bit of um, press for that one. That was actually delayed from, it was supposed to come out this December. It was delayed until April 2023. And it's interesting because the creator of Mario um, was the one that made this announcement on the Nintendo uh, Twitter account. Um, and they say that, you know, they've consulted with their partners at Illumination, um, and they say that um, they're moving the global release back to the spring. Um, they say it'll be well worth the wait. So no one really knows exactly why. People think maybe they just, you know, it wasn't ready. They were going to give it some more time, some more love. Um, at least we still have a date, you know, in mind. It's not like they just <laughs> perpetually delayed it to some unknown future date. Um, but it's really sad because I'm really looking forward to that one. I can't wait. It'll be Nintendo's first um, entry into, like, the, the feature film space. I'm really curious to see how they do, and hopefully they do well. Speaking of delays, another disappointing delay that was announced um, earlier this week um, was the Breath of the Wild sequel was delayed until spring 2023 as well. Now, they had promised this would come in 2022. They gave it a new spring 2023 um, release window. So they basically released an apology, and they went on to say that the adventure in the sequel will take place not just on the ground, as in the previous game, but also in the skies above. However, the expanded world goes beyond that, and there will be an even wider variety of features you can enjoy, including new encounters and new gameplay elements. And they said that the delay was necessary to make sure the game's experience is something special for players, which, again, it's Nintendo. They tend to put a lot of love and care and craft into their video games. I'm sure this will also be worth the wait. Um, it's just, you know, we, we, we thought we were getting these things in 2022. It just sounds like we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. But hey, as long as they're good, you know, I'd rather them wait versus release something that's not quite as good as it can be. So, you know, if they need a few more months to, to put those finishing touches on it, I, I, I give them permission as a random Nintendo fan. <laughs> 
And in other bad news, there are two companies that are both delisting their games from digital stores as well as shutting down online services from other games. So Sega actually announced earlier this week that they are taking out all of the classic Sonic games um, from digital stores. So this will no longer be available on Nintendo Switch Online. It'll no longer be available on, you know, wherever you get your digital games. Now, the reason they're doing this is because they're putting out a new Sonic Origins collection that is coming out on June 30th. They're actually removing these games a full, you know, over a month before the new game even is out. Um, So May 20th is the last day, the day that they're pulling these from the stores. Now, if you've already purchased these, of course, you still get access to them, but um, you will not be able to purchase it between that time and the release of the new game. There is a couple of exceptions. Uh, The Sega Ages version of Sonic 1 and 2 for Switch will remain playable, um, as well as Sonic 2 on the Sega Genesis Library for Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack. So those those will stay in place, but wherever else you get your Sonic games, make sure to buy them now if you want the classic ones. And it's, it's really interesting because this is a very familiar move, right? Didn't Rockstar just do something very, very similar um, with the classic Grand Theft Auto games? Um, before that release, they pulled them from online stores. People couldn't buy the old versions. And let's just say the initial release of the definitive edition of Grand Theft Auto Trilogy was not very good. I mean, they were, they were buggy, they were glitchy, and people were really upset about the change in art style. So people wanted the classic games, but guess what? Rockstar pulled them and you could no longer access the old games. So, and that got a ton of bad PR, man. People were angry. People were upset. People were review bombing the new games. Um, so it seems really, really weird that Sega would pull a move like this um, after such bad publicity from <laughs> Rockstar doing basically the same thing. So let's hope for the best for them. Maybe it's just because they are going to update all these and they're going to still be great games. Um, they're just going to make it easier for you to get access to, or they're going to kind of screw over the consumer that just may want one or two of the older games. I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out, but uh, not a good look for them. In a similar vein, it was announced that Ubisoft was shutting down online services for 90 of their older games. So this includes, you know, multiplayer, unlockable content, things like that that you can get from online play. They're shutting it down, and it's sad because a lot of these games are very, very um, popular, even, even today. So some of these games include Rainbow Six Vegas, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, the Just Dance games, some of the older Assassin's Creed games, including Brotherhood, Recollections, and Revelations, Far Cry and Far Cry 2, and then several Splinter Cell games. There's a whole list on their website. Um, Now, they do note that PC gamers will completely not be available to access these online features. Um, They're going to, even if they've unlocked things in the past, they're going to disable them. Now, if you are on console, you will be able to still access these that you've previously unlocked um, unless you reset your save game file. So um, if you you are on console, you're still good there. Um, But yeah, PC gamers, this is just... Really, really, um, you know, I, they they give you reasons for it, right? You know that they can't maintain the servers. Some of the things are getting glitchy because you know a lot of time has passed. But I mean, it's really unfortunate. I mean, I don't play any of those games. I mean, I think you know they definitely have you know a small but dedicated fan base, and a lot of people are not happy about this decision. So I'm curious if you guys are upset about this or if you've heard about it. Um, is this going to affect these games? Or are you going to continue to play them if all of your unlockable features are now locked again? I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think. About about that. Let me know on our Whiskey and Gaming Discord server, um, which you can find at bourbonbites.com. We have an arcade room where we talk about all kinds of video games and things like that, so definitely a good place to discuss this news. Um, But yes, it's not great. 
But you know what is great? This whiskey, and having you guys along for this episode. Um, I know it's a bit of a bummer in the gaming world, but I feel like I, I that's what I've been reading a lot lately. It's not a lot of good. I mean, there's definitely some games coming out. You know, at the beginning of every month, I will do an episode where I talk about all the new games, all the new whiskeys coming out. And lucky for you, that's next week. So uh, stay tuned. I'm, I'm excited to talk about some new things. I've already heard some new bottles that are coming out, um, as well as some new games. So that'll be next week's episode. But until then, thank you all so much for listening. This has been Bourbon Bites, a whiskey podcast with a gaming twist. Cheers, and I'll talk to you next episode.